morning I have no notes for you. You're going to take your own notes. I have no slide that says what the title is. You're going to look around you and that's going to be your, 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 your um, title. So um, if you look around you, the title is found in what you see. Anybody can guess? Oh, well done. Well, but you are you're not just, there's not just people, it's something about the people. What about you? You are, and the title really, let me give it away, otherwise we're going to take forever. You're among all people. I don't know which language you prefer to use, whether it's the British English or the American English, because it could either be among or amongst. Eh? British? Would you prefer British? I mean, what do you think, eh, Frank? Anything? What do we... <laughs> so if you're British English, you will say... Among. If you're American English, you will probably say amongst. Whatever you want to say, you are in between, you are among or amongst people. Can you see that? And so this title of this morning's message is really that, just among all people. And, and I want to take you to where Kilton took us to last week when we spoke, when he spoke from Exodus chapter 19. And, and there's something incredibly important, which I actually never realized is found in this chapter. And, and I want you to not miss it this morning. And it's not just something particularly just attaining to that, because what happens in, F, in Exodus actually has an influence on the rest of the Bible. Last week when, when Kilton spoke, he took us to um, Exodus 19 and particularly where it says about the fact that God has made us a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and he um, so spoke, spoke so well about the fact that we have been ordained by God to be a different people and, and he's given us a new identity and in your identity is not revealed through the name that you carry and if you have a great name that says something about, you know, your you're a gift and all those wonderful things, that's, that's great. And your name means wisdom, that's wonderful. But your real identity is found in what Christ says and has done for us. It's not so much the names that we've been given by people. And by the way, if you've given other names by the, and your daily passing and it's, and it's derogatory names, that's not who you are. If you failed in something, that's not your identity. It's just an event that happened in your life. Okay? And so we saw, the, yeah, as, as Kilton spoke to us, about the fact that we have been made kingdom of priests. But I want to just help you understand a little bit about the significance of chapter 19. If we look at chapters 1 to 18, which we have done, if you've been part of the journey so far as, as we've gone through Exodus um, as a church up to where we are today, you would have noticed a couple of things happening. Now, Exodus 1 to 18 is really just a narrative. It's a storyline of what had been happening to the Israelites. They were taken out of Egypt. And so the storyline from 1 to 18 is about that. It's about them being mobile. It's about Moses being spoken to by God and, and addressing him and saying, come and help my people get out. I want them to leave Egypt. I want them to be taken out of slavery. So it's a mobile thing. We see, though, in chapters 19, something different happening. 
that now the people from here on until the end of the book of Exodus, something different is happening. Now they're stationary. They're not going to move around much. And God's going to establish something that would last forever. Say with me, forever. And so chapters 1 to 18 is this incredible experience where, where Moses was around, Moses was spoken to, and, and then when they leave, it's about three months that they are in this mobile state until they arrive, chapter 19, verse 1, at a, a specific mountain. And it says, after three moons or three months of having left Egypt, they arrive at this place. And that is their, stay, their place where they stay for the rest of Exodus. And that takes about 10 months for them to be there. But in those 10 months, God gives them incredible guidelines, instructions, ordinances of how they ought to live their lives. And so we've spoken about this many times, but chapters 1 to 18 is about getting Israel out of Egypt. Chapters 19 to 40 is about getting Egypt out of Israel. So God speaks to them and says, listen, this is how I want you to live. For 430 years, they never knew anything about God's ways in the direct way that God is supplying it to them here. And so as God speaks to them, He sets for them something in place that is still in place today. The plan was actually for me to jump into Exodus 20 and to share with you those wonderful 10 things that you all love. The Ten Commandments, which we also often think now they're not relevant to us anymore. But they are. But we're not going to jump into them today. We're going to look at them next week. But the point is that God said, I want this for you. And there will be other things that he instructed them to do and, and to be part of their lives. But God wanted them to let something change from within and so if we just go into the laws, for instance, and we read them, and we're saying, oh my goodness, this is tough. These are many things that God expects of us. These are some of these things like, I don't know if I want that. And in our society, many people for us to do, I don't need to consider these, these things. We, we can so often take them out of context and not understand the reason for why they've given. And Exodus 19 is so helpful for us to understand why God has given to us these guidelines. And none of you can go onto this road over here. It's called Cecil Avenue and drive the way that you want to. Well, you may want to, but you shouldn't. All right, just some helpful advice this morning. When you leave, stick to the left. When you see the robot traffic light there at Burnside Road and it's red, stop. Shall I say that again to some of you? Stop when it's red. All right, why are you laughing? Is that relevant? Is it relevant? The point is, there are certain laws out there that if you don't abide by them, if the police sees you, you'll be in trouble. But if you do that and, and avoid those traffic rules, and there's another vehicle that passes by that's trying to stick to the rules, like those Honda Fits, they're amazing. Don't you cause an accident with a Honda Fit, because most probably you will be the reason why you're in an accident. The point is, there are certain rules out there that we've got to stick to, and they are there to protect us. 
But sometimes when we become free in the Lord and, and God says, yeah, I've made you a, a, a wonderful, a holy nation and a kingdom of priests, we're like, oh, that's great. So I can do whatever I want to do. No, no. There's still some guidelines there. We want to just stop at chapter 19 and, and go through it a little bit more in detail and understand that there's something of great significance here. It's hinged between the trip out of the land of slavery and walking into the inheritance that God has for the Israelites as a nation. So chapter 19 is in between. So they've come out of, God has this incredible inheritance for them, but he wants them to consider something incredibly important. And he wants to give them a detailed requirement of what it means to be his people. But first of all, they need to understand a few things. And I want to read these to you, and it's just a few. The first thing is, let me read to you from verse 1, and just for us to be able to have, I'm going to get some more space on this thing so that I don't feel like I'm restricted. There you go. It says in verse 1, on the third new moon, this is chapter 19, after the pe people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. It says they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and then camped in the wilderness. Then Israel encamped before the mountain. And this is the mountain of Horeb or Sinai. It's a mountain of God where even by the way, this is where God met with Moses and told him to go back to Israel, or to go back to Egypt to, to save. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, this is not God's people, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So chapter, verse 4 rather, just talks about this thing, that God wants us to notice something. And so, again, if we just read it, the laws and, and, and the, the Ten Commandments, and we don't see them in the, in the context of God's desire to be a God to us, and we are His people, we just see them as pure laws. And there's not a connection between God and His people. So God is here preparing them for what's coming, but is giving them identity first. And say, I don't just expect this of you. I don't just want to suggest these things to keep you safe and to drive safely on the road. I want you to understand why I'm going to give you what you're going to receive. And the why is found in the fact that God says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I want to say when we stop and notice what God is doing and has done, it humbles us and makes us incredibly appreciative of who we is. So we can so easily just fall into the trap of what did God expect of us. No, just look at who God is and what he's done for you. I don't know how often, and that's why I said earlier on, even in that time when I felt God was speaking to us about this rest thing, that we need to be able to find space in our lives to stop and consider what God has done, who God is, and what He's doing. Because outside of that, we are restless. Because we stop too often to consider what is going on around us in the world. And what's not working. And what's going wrong. 
And that makes us absolutely restless. It does to me. I don't know about you. It does. So can somebody just help those guys? There are chairs available here if you guys want to sit down somewhere. Do you need chairs at the WI? Because you can, thanks so much. It's very kind of you. For me, I, I find it so incredibly necessary and crucial to regularly stop and consider God and who He is and what He's doing. As I said earlier, on your level of peace and your level of rest is determined by your level of stopping. Question is, when last have you stopped and considered the grace and goodness of God upon your life? We all, could you perhaps reach out and do the following? But could we perhaps also at the same time stop and consider what God has done? And I'm telling you, the moment you stop and you just make that list of what God has done and is doing, you will find that there will be peace that will come to your soul because of just that simple exercise. If we don't stop, we miss it. I find myself, if I go throughout the community here where I live, I think the, the, the things that I, that I spot the easiest, the things that I notice most is when I'm slower. I can drive and I can see certain things. I can run and I probably see what is around me and what the neighborhood looks like, I see the most. And I think what we do in our life is we're just constantly driving and we're not stopping, we're not going slower to notice God at work. And I want to, I want to challenge us. I want to dare you to take some time to stop and let God reveal himself to you so that when you come to the place where you say, God says I should, do this and I should do that and I, and this is important according to his guidelines I'm like man that's easy for me to consider because I've considered God and I believe this is why Exodus in chapter 19 is so important because what God instructs from there onward so many of those laws are not relevant to us anymore but when you start looking at the 10 commandments they're all there I find stopping and, con and having just conversations with people not about what, what has gone wrong, but just the good things that God is doing. This week, I had the privilege of, of meeting new people. I was up in the falls, and, and, and there was an event where they brought business people together, and there were a couple of people from the States, some from South Africa, and many people from the falls. And, and all of those people gathering, about 80% of them I'd never met before in my life. And so I, I had to often share just where I'm from just conversation like you all do. So tell us your story, where you're from. And I realized, and them just listening to my story, I realized just the grace of God upon my life. It's like, gee, when last time I told people my story a bit? Not because I'm so great and I'm so wonderful, but just the gracious hand of God upon my life. And I could reflect. For some, they wanted to go back many, many years. And I'm like, I had to draw it from all the way there. It's like, share the story all along. And as I did, I realized just the grace of God. And I want to tell you that, that you and your story, in, in sharing that, in just considering it, there's even in that, there's grace for you to be found to consider God's hand upon your life. I'm telling you, just share it with one another. Share it with people that have never heard your story. It's a beautiful thing. It's such an incredible thing to be able to reflect on and consider and become aware 
is tell the people to say, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and how I brought you to myself. God did all of this because he's, he, he initiated something and he says, listen, this is what I want you to experience about me. The second thing that I find here in, in this portion is it says in, in verse 5, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. I want to say that everything that God does, He does it in such a way that there's a response required from us. You can't just sit back and let God do all the response required. He says, now that you see that I've done this, I bore you on, on eagle's wings, I brought you to myself. Now I say to you, won't you come? Come, obey. Come listen. Come keep. Come follow. Come follow me. There's a response required. And I want to say to you that the greatest response we can get him is, give him is to worship him. It's not to do things for him, but it's to worship him. And he created the entire world, by the way, for that. And I want to take you just to a verse that just so clearly would speak about this. In Romans chapter 1. Why don't you turn there with me, please? And if it comes up on the screen, that's fine. It's in verse 18. Romans chapter God is revealed from heaven. Romans 1, 18. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. So God has revealed himself to us. For it says in verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Actually, that's God saying, listen, I have made myself, I have revealed myself since the beginning of creation to all men. For what reason? Not just to impress us, but so that there will be a response coming forth from us. And it says here, verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish, foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then it says, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged, listen to this, verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. God's not just for informational purposes but so that there will be revelation coming forth. And out of revelation would be adoration. So God speaks. He gives us his word. He creates this incredible creation so that adoration would come forth. And not just, wow, that's amazing. Not just simple inspiration, but adoration of him. But what man has done, it started adoring the creature the creation, not instead of the creator. And so our response to him is, I need to worship him. 
I need to give him everything that he deserves. He's taken me out of slavery like he did for Israel. He says of saying, I've got to take Egypt out of you, Israel, because in Egypt you never worshipped me. Now that you're out of Egypt, that doesn't mean that you will automatically start worshipping me. I want you to understand that I've taken you out for myself. So come on, stick to what I want you to do so that your worship that is due unto me will be given to me. And so again, we're so thankful for what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But it is done so that we will worship Him and give Him everything that we have. My life does not belong to myself. I've been freed. I am a king, part of the kingdom. I'm a priest in the kingdom. I'm part of this holy nation to worship Him, not just to have a new identity. He gives us a hope for the future so that we may worship Him. He takes us out of slavery so that we will worship Him. He grants us grace from our sin so that we will worship Him. He gives us His Son as a sacrifice so that we will worship Him. So when you recognize what God has done for you, how many of you can say, Amen, yeah, I, I recognize what He's done for me. Amen? It's clear. And if you're sitting here this morning, you have no idea. We'd love to help you to understand what it means that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So we all recognize, and some may not be, but we'd love to help you. But if you all, if you do recognize, then this is the response that is required. It says, worship me. Follow me. Obey me. Keep my covenant. That's a response. That's a response that he asks. And then it says in carrying on verses 5, it says, if, if this is what you do, he says, you shall. Later part of verse 5, he says, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. This is where among comes in. Among all peoples, for the, all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of... I, I believe that, that God in His incredible might and omniscience where He understands and knows everything and is in wonderful omnipotence where He has power over everything, He draws us closer to Him, to worship Him, but He also draws us closer to Him so that we can be drawn closer to one another. Which is today what we call the church. So when we accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross, He says, I have done this. I've called you to be a kingdom of priests. I've called you to be a holy nation among all people. So you're not going to go on your own and be this, I, I, I will have you among all people. And all people will see something about who I am as you Live and move among them. And, and in this, he says, you will be my treasured possession. So God's promise is that he will make us his people among others, among all people. And that's so incredibly important that we understand this because God spoke to Abraham before this. This is a fulfillment because now the nation is moving into what God promised Abraham, remember? And they, I mean, the, 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 the inheritance that he promised 
Abraham is now starting to be noticed because there are millions of people. And God spoke to Abraham and he didn't even have one son yet. But God was promising him something. But in that promise, he said to them, I will bless you, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing to others. So your blessing will not be only experienced by your people, but it will be as they are among other people that it will transfer unto them. Which means that we as the people of God, we have this incredible privilege to be called out of darkness into light. Israel was called out of Egypt into the promised land. But in that, God said to them, I want you to be, as what we call New Testament language today, I want you to be a light, like a city on a hill, that your light will shine. And so that's why when we get to Exodus, God gives them guidelines. He says, the way in which you will be a light and live among the people is through these ways, that you will be different, that you will have no foreign gods in front of you, that you will not have these idols in your life or in your heart, that you will live different sexually, that you will live different in every area of your life, because I've called you out of to be mine so that you will live among people and that people will see more of me that way. So when we dive into Exodus, we realize that we've got to, oh goodness, I've got to try these things, wake up in the morning. And I had this in my life. I grew up in a very traditional church and I was given this every single day, or Sunday rather. And I don't disqualify and discredit them and, you know, unhappy with them. I'm just saying that they never taught me that out of loving God, this is actually so easy. But they taught me the law and not loving God first. That when I start loving God, I realize, but this is what I want to do. That because I love Jesus, I want to have this stuff in my life. I love God. I don't want to kill or murder. I love God. I don't want to covet people's possessions and covet somebody else's wife. Because it originates from knowing that I am His and I can love him, and love is my greatest motivation. And so, we're called to live among others. We're called to live in this world. There's no mandate from heaven. There's no mandate in the Bible, by the way, that says Christians ought to go and separate themselves and live on an island and create this community that says we don't care about you, we, we will do our thing, and that's the only way that we can remain pure and holy and praise the Lord until he fetches us, that's where we will live. There is no mandate in this book that says how we ought to live, that we ought to live that way. The mandate from, from God through his word is to be amongst. We're not part of, we don't share, we don't indulge. But we live in this world. We're not from this world, but we live in this world. That's why Jesus, again, he says, take this lamp. Don't put it under the table. Put it on top so that it will shine. You're among all others. Or you're amongst all others. Whatever one you prefer. Point is, we're going to live our lives in between. And that's why when we then go and look at what God says, how Egypt should be taken out of my life. Because all of us have Egypt somewhere. May never have been to Egypt ever in your life. I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to a life separated from God. And as we 
discover more of who God is and what God has for our lives, we realize, hey God, this, there's a lot of Egyptian stuff in my life. And poor Egyptians, again, you know, we don't want to discredit them as a nation. It's a beautiful nation. In actual fact, chatting to a friend, George, that was here the other day, they traveled to Egypt and just listening to the stories of what God's busy doing in that nation and how actually the whole Muslim world is starting to slowly, surely open up more to people hearing from God and listening to what he has for them. I was with um, one of the pastors that we work with in the Czech Republic, and uh, Pavel was telling me the story that he met this business person who um, is a previous pastor. He used to um, be involved in a local church, but then God called him out of that context to minister in a different way, by the way, in which we all are part of. I am full-time in a church context in a ministry. You are full-time in teaching as a minister of God. Whatever you are, you're a minister of God wherever you go. Amen? I'm not more important. My role is not more important than yours. But anyway, this guy went out of what he did in local church into the coffee business. And so he started importing, maybe it was exporting, from the Muslim nations. Yeah, I think it was probably exporting. That at some of these Muslim countries where he got involved in as a business person, he's starting to export from them, and he goes and visits often, and they allow him to because he's a business person. But what he has done for the gospel is because of the business aspect, he is now able to reach more people than ever before. He goes to the, in, years ago, if I go there now and I say, listen, what is my tra- What is my occupation? I'll say, pastor. Ah, no, you're not welcome. You probably want to proselyte here and, and, and come and reach people. You come there, you know, I'm a coffee businessman. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, come, we can make money out of you, whatever. And they open themselves up for that, but the gospel gets penetrated. Or the, the gospel penetrates the country. So I'm just saying that, that God puts us amongst all people for the kingdom's sake. And wherever you are among all others, it is not just so that you will have a job and have an income at the end of the month. Or even if you don't have a job, there are places that you can be amongst others because God wants to use you and your story. I I was particularly blessed this week and reminded of our responsibility as we walk amongst others to be what God wants us to be. One of the people that I met um, during the week was a dear brother in Christ. His name's Dave. He's from the States. He's a pastor. And uh, he just told me his story. And, and he lives with this incredible passion to see people touched by God, wherever he goes. So he found himself in, in, in the falls this past week. And um, he told me, and he wasn't trying to be boastful, he just said, you know what, I, I, we went to a restaurant the other night in the falls, I think it was Wednesday night, and they, he saw this one young chap sitting there, and he looked a little bit disturbed and, and distressed, and he, and he just kind of started a, some friendly conversation with him. And one thing led to the other, and he was starting to talk to him about his story as a follower of Jesus. And this young man who's from the Netherlands was very interested and said, nobody's really told me anything about this stuff. And, and, and he didn't lead him into something specific. He just shared with him and he gave him a track, which I actually have here. I want to show you just um, how 
how this guy goes about sharing his life. And, and so that was Wednesday night. So Thursday evening, I have dinner with him, Dave. And he said with me, I, I just came out of the rainforest where you go and observe the falls. And he says, as I walked through the forest, I bumped into this guy again. And this young man said, gee, this can't be coincident, can it? And they, in the midst of all of that and uh, the beauty of creation, he was able to lead him to the Lord. And this young man prayed a prayer of saying, Jesus, uh, the point I'm trying to make is just the beautiful story of somebody repenting and turning to Christ, but also the beautiful story of somebody who's always ready to share his story. So he has this little thing called my story, and it's his story written. So he printed this thing. So you open it up, and it says, someone shared this message with me that changed my life. Here is my story. And so as you open it up, there is his story, personally his story. This is Dave Gibson, a man I met. who's just become a dear brother. He writes his story, and then he leaves his details, and then he tells the story of Christ in the middle, of how we can become part of a story of redemption too. And so just something so simple, you know. And I thought, man, this is brilliant. He's always ready. Please give me boldness as we live our lives among all others. King City Church, we've been called to live our lives not separate from others. We've been called to live our lives among all others. And it starts with you and I recognizing that he has done it all. He started it. He says, look at what I've done for you. I've taken you out to become mine. Now that you're mine, I want you to consider my ways. Because as you, as you walk along my ways and, and as you follow me and, and accept what I have for you, you will be not only my treasured possession, but you will be that amongst all people. So that others, again, as a church this morning of the of the simplicity of why we exist as the people of God and as a church. It is not to make ourselves known. Why are we considering a property and buying it? We want to make a difference in this world. We have others in mind, as that slogan says. We want to reach out into our community. I want this to be a community center. We want it to be that, so that people can be affected through what we do from a property like that. That's why we, and this is not an ad to quickly take up an offering for that. No, it's just re-emphasizing that we want to live our lives amongst all others so that others can benefit from it and God's kingdom can be established on earth as it is in heaven. Your life, not just from a property, but your life from home, from your work environment, from the streets that you go to, from the sport places that you attend or visit, your life, lived amongst all others, has the potential to make a difference and bring people closer to Christ. That's why we are here. It's out of our worship for Him. We say, here's my life, Lord. Here's my life. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so incredibly thankful for what you've done. What you continue to do, and Lord, as we, as we are trekking or journeying through Exodus, we, it's just a wonderful journey, and, and it's kind of like we're halfway now. But at this halfway point, there's something distinctly important that you, I believe, want to share with us. And that is that 
We have now come out of stuff. But you also want to help us remember, understand that the things that you want to take out of us so that we will be useful in your hands. So that as we live our lives amongst all others, that you will be glorified and you will be honored. And I pray this morning, Father, for a deep understanding of that in our hearts. Even right now, Lord God, as we just take a minute or so and not just rush into coffee, end of the meeting, but just allow you, Holy Spirit, to, to speak deep into our hearts. I pray that we will firstly be able to recognize what you have done, that we will consider where we come from, that we all have a story, but Lord God, that the story that we have has a continuation to it that you want to continue, let our lives be of great use for your kingdom as we live it amongst others. I pray, Lord, that there will be an awareness, a spiritual awakening in our hearts about that. Stopped and recognized their need for Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convict them of that need. Convict them of the need that Christ has come to save the lost. And if they find themselves at a place where they've never, ever considered Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of their lives and enter into a relationship with you, I pray this morning, Father, that your conviction will come and stir people towards that place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that every person here right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you are saying this morning, I've, I've never I've never given my life to Christ. I've never surrendered and said, Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. If that is who you are and that's your need, please just quickly show up your hand and say, please, I, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that today. Anyone? So anyone that says, I've never, you're so welcome. Just lift up your hand and say, please. Thank you. There's a hand. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for hands that are going up. And I, and I thank you for just your heart that's drawing people to that place. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will journey with those folk that, that have lifted their hands. And we would love to help them. But I pray that as we love our lives amongst all others, there's a responsibility we have. And Father, as we continue to go into Exodus, and particularly Exodus 20 next week, I thank you that we will see and understand the perspective that we need to have of why it is so important to obey you in these things. Not to be under the law, but because we're under your grace, this is how we want to live. I trust you, Father, that as we go into this day, this week, that we will enjoy just living our lives amongst all others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.